Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is a place for people who love to eat because I'm delivering the world of food directly to your radio. And you can show your good taste just by tuning in every weekend. I'm celebrating 20 years on the radio this year. But if you're new to the show, then you should know that I have the best culinary thinkers on this program and that my food philosophy is all about flavor and freshness. I think they're paramount and ingredients count. This show is a true culinary exploration. I'm all about delectable dishes and exquisite gastronomic experiences. So if it's rich or savory or just downright delicious, you're going to hear about it right here. We're celebrating summer as it heats up and I have everything you need to feed your soul. So stay tuned. Coming up, I am really excited to share her inspiring debut cookbook. She is full of passion and pizzazz and quite a phenomenon. She is Elizabeth Van Leard, and she is sharing everyday entertaining. She's all about making mealtime at home special, and her cookbook, newly released, is a hit. So please stay tuned for that. Also coming up, he is our resident everything expert. He is blogger David Leet, and you know him from Leet's Culinaria or LC Cooks. Many years of great success sharing phenomenal recipes. David is stopping by to dish on stone fruit at the height of the season and what you can do with it. So we have a full table set, but first let me start with my tutorial or I like to call it a lesson of sorts. I like to kick off the show with insight and information, education to make you the best cook you know. And I love to uh, field your emails as well. So please feel free. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com will get you to me. By the way, please become a fan and a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as I'm always looking for new comrades. I'm at Chef Jamie Gwen. But here goes. Um, Leanne sent me a message on Instagram, in fact, asking to dig deeper into salt block cooking. And you might have heard me dish about it before. I happen to be a salt block fan. I have a salt block story. You've seen those pink Himalayan salt blocks, right? They come in various sizes and shapes today. You can buy them in a brick or a board shape. Uh, You can get them thick or thin in lots of different ways from your favorite houseware store to Amazon, of course. And if like me, you have a salt block story where you happen to have dropped one taking out of the cabinet and you have shards of salt block, well, I'll tell you what to do with it. So I did make a salt block grilled chicken this past week for dinner. And if I may say myself, it was so luscious. I actually took a a chicken, a raw chicken, and I spatchcocked it, right? Or I took the backbone out so that it would lay flat. And I let it chill in a lemon, rosemary, olive oil marinade. Um, I seasoned that with salt and pepper so that it would infuse into the bird. And then I grilled it skin side down on the grates of my grill 
with a salt block on it to press the chicken into the grates. I turned it over. I continued cooking it. It was delicious. It had crispy skin and fabulous flavor and juicy meat and all. Why? Because the salt block lent its beauty to that chicken. And it's summer and we're grilling up a storm, right? And I think that the greatest grill masters always seem to have a few tricks up their sleeve. And I like to say I'm a girl at the grill. I love to barbecue. And I thought that I would give you some insight into one of my secret weapons when grilling and chilling. And that is a salt block. Now, I love my salt blocks for everything from serving sashimi to using it as a brick on my barbecue. If you have one, here's how you'll learn more ways to use it. If you don't, go buy one now. This is your tutorial. So Himalayan salt is a rock salt that was mined from 500 uh, million year old salt deposits. The salt is very pure. It's unadulterated. Uh, They actually mine it in large boulders and then they cut it um, or grind it to the necessary dimensions to make these massive salt block platters or to make powder fine finishing salt. And you can get, as I mentioned, blocks or plates or platters or bricks, and you can use it in so many different ways. Now, it has a crystal kind of lattice with a very specific energy, this salt. And so it holds its temperature for a really good while. And due to its lack of moisture, you can cook safely and heat or chill a salt block to almost extreme temperatures. They've actually been tested from zero degrees Fahrenheit up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, which I think is fascinating. Now, here's a couple of important facts about a salt block that you'll want to know. You use a salt block to season food, but it doesn't add tremendous saltiness compared to, say, ground salt, right? And it infuses flavor. The longer you leave something exposed to a salt block, the more saltiness or complexity the food will have. But I like to do everything from sliced carpaccio or sashimi on a cold platter that I've taken out of the fridge to um, salted caramel ice cream on a frozen salt block. And if you're doing um, sashimi, let's say, the food will literally start to cure at the table, uh, gently cooking the edges. You get that smidge of mineral-rich saltiness. It's fabulous. Now, on the hotter side, if you place a salt block under the broiler and you wait 30 minutes and remove it with a really heavy-duty kitchen glove, and you set it on a trivet, you can saute thin cuts of fish or meat or veggies while your friends and family look on with awe and disbelief and dawning admiration. And while you're cooking, the food takes on a light saltiness. Now, you heard me mention that I use my salt block as a brick for chicken. I do pork chops and lots of other good things on the grill. I also have seen a chef friend place their salt block on a stuffed trout on the barbecue, which looked really fabulous. Now, on the wilder side, you can heat a large Himalayan salt platter on an outdoor grill, butter it, toss on bananas, uh, turn off the grill before you douse it with bourbon, 
and flambe, and you will have barely salted and seductively caramelized bananas. Ooh, a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. I'm in. You can also, as I mentioned, freeze that Himalayan salt block. You could serve the ice cream or sorbet on another block. But getting back to the basics, use it as a platter for cheeses, dried meats, uh, your pickled ginger and wasabi alongside sushi or a crudo. Have you ever sliced tomatoes and placed them on a salt block, adorned it with buffalo mozzarella or burrata and basil? It is the ultimate caprese, and it is a brilliant presentation. And with all that said, I suggest you invest in a salt block to add fabulous flavor and creativity to your dishes. You'll have it for a long time, unless, of course, you have a story like me where you drop one. Well, my smaller pieces of salt block now serve as a butter server at the table. I will put a hunk of good European butter on a piece of my broken salt block and serve it with bread service at the table. It infuses its salt into the butter just slightly, and it is a a beautiful, absolutely beautiful, beautiful way to adorn the table too. By the way, to clean a salt block, you use a scrubber sponge and warm water, and then you pat it dry with a paper towel and you keep it dry, storing it wherever you like, but it's good to go. I'd love to know how you use your salt block. So please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com with your best inspiration. And please stay tuned because we have lots more, maybe even more delicious conversation coming up in your radio. Elizabeth Van Leerd is next and we are everyday entertaining. Grab a snack. Come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Want to know why over 6 million people follow Elizabeth Van Leerd's inspirational, entertaining blog, The College Housewife? Because she's fabulous. She's known as the millennial answer to Martha Stewart. And wow, does she over-deliver. In her first cookbook release, entitled Everyday Entertaining, Number one on Amazon, by the way. 
Elizabeth proves that entertaining doesn't have to be stressful or expensive. The book is chock full of 110 plus Instagram worthy recipes complete with times and tricks and everything from table settings to cheese boards. She is definitely ensuring that your next soiree is a scrumptious success. And I believe that this book will become your go-to guide to entertaining. It's beautiful too, by the way, and I want to lay it on my coffee table just after I make miso chocolate chip cookies. Now, Elizabeth is a writer, a photographer, a recipe developer, and she launched her blog, The College Housewife, as a creative outlet, a way to show everyone how to make entertaining fun and easy, some years back, of course. Since, she has received Savoir Magazine's coveted Best Entertaining Blog Award, and her work has been featured everywhere brilliant. I am delighted to welcome Elizabeth Van Leerd, author of Everyday Entertaining, just released to the show. Elizabeth, glad to have you. Welcome. Hi, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm yes, so of course. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so glad. Thank you. And I, I'm thrilled to have you. I have to tell you, I, and I've said it before, I don't say it often, but I, I almost licked the pages of your cookbook. Like... <laughs> That, that's, well, then I'm doing something right. Yes, you are. That's how <laughs> yummy the panzanella looked to me. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it prompted ideas for me. Like, oh, I haven't made a panzanella lately. And I think that's something that's so wonderful about having followed you and what you share. And that is, it's very real and it's very doable. And I, I think that's why people love you. I never want people to feel intimidated in the kitchen. Hmm. I think it takes enough energy to get in there and make something delicious, especially when you're cooking for other people. True. So you need a recipe that you're equipped with something really simple and easy. Sizzanel is great because you can throw whatever you have in the fridge in it. You don't have to make it complicated. Feel free to swap in some of those other ingredients, you know? Yeah, I like the loosey-goosey approach, especially in these times, right? We've all been cooking incessantly, a little kitchen fatigue. I know, I mean, if I undo the dishwasher one more time, I wondered, a lot of uh, this beautiful book, is, is it pandemic inspired or was it just perfect timing? It's so wild that you bring up the pandemic because we actually started recipe testing and writing it right when the pandemic started, which is the weirdest time to write a cookbook. Mind no you, doubt. I would, I know, I would go to the store and there was no flour on the shelves or no <sighs> pasta and that's what I was recipe testing for the week. So I feel like in a way it is interlaced with a little bit of pandemicness because hmm. I had to kind of shift a little bit and make the recipes a bit easier with what I had. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I want it to be easy and inspiring pandemic or not. But yes, we definitely face the pandemic a little bit with these recipes. Yeah, but I, I think that makes them even more oh, obtainable, I guess is the word, because, you know, when and I, I mean strife in the loosest form of the word, but when you're challenged by ingredient sourcing or you don't have everything at your fingertips, sometimes I find that um, new recipes and and genius ideas um, spawn from that. And, and and I love that concept. I'm so with you. And I love a specialty grocery store just as much as any other chef. But for this book, my goal was to make if not all of the recipes that you could just buy any ingredients from your local grocery store and not feel the need to really like outsource something crazy. I mean, with 
so many pantry staple recipes and just things that didn't feel intimidating that you could just whip up after a night at work or when you didn't have a ton of time on the weekend. So yes, I am all about that. Yeah, fa- fabulous, fabulous recipes. I can't even tell you. Before we dish, though, on them and, and you inspire us as to what we might make tonight, I am going to put you on the spot. You just mentioned pasta, flour. Do you have a few top favorite staple items. They could be pantry or fridge or garden, but they're your go-tos. I find when I dish with great cooks, it's interesting to learn their palate, right? So I've read page by page of your book. You love mint. So do I. That says something about you. Yes. I love (laughs) mint. I love basil too, but Mm. I can grow a mint plant any time of the year in my house. It's one of the easiest things you can grow. It'll grow like a weed. So as far as freshness goes, I always have a little bit of mint going. I think for pantry staples in the fridge, I do love miso paste. Um, As weird and as crazy as it is, I also am a ketchup lover. I feel like it's one of those things that you can make easy sauces with. Um, And, you know, I love a can of beans. Some people will balk at it. They'll want to make fresh pot of beans. But I think you can truly turn some white cannellini beans into something really beautiful with an easy side dish. Yeah, and that that you do right at the at the start at the launch of the book, and yeah. that too yeah. made me think. Oh, I I'm gonna make a bean salad, protein packed, pleases all the vegans, great side yeah. dish, make ahead for the barbecue. Yeah. I mean, all those good things. You're reading my mind, yeah. and I mean it's so true. And not only is it affordable, it's gonna feed so many different palates. It's fresh. It's true. I mean, yeah. literally a can of beans is like my secret weapon in the pantry. <laughs> and, and you can use any <laughs> herb from the garden or a mix thereof, right? And very simply, I mean, you do lemon juice, olive oil, garlic. Yes, yeah. that is a really, really easy recipe. My boyfriend made it last weekend for a barbecue. I was so proud of him. He Ooh. just cracked open the recipe. And so he was like, impressed. I'm salad. I was like, you go for it, hon. I was so <laughs> proud of it. Just throw in any herb that you like because we've got a few different herbs right now. And I think he did basil because he loves pizza. And I was like, that's that's an easy profile for you. Exactly. Flavor profile. And I I say cook with your palate because that's, you know, make it taste the way you want to. That's your signature. Uh, The peach panzanella that I alluded to earlier, I can't wait to make. So I, too, make a panzanella and not often enough. Um, but yours is peaches and burrata. The last one I made was um, grilled cornbread. I had leftover cornbread. Yeah. Elizabeth, it was so good. You can make a panzanella with almost anything. You really can. That sounds so delicious. I'm going to have to try that. No, let me know how yours turns out. I will. Okay. I will. The cornbread sounds fantastic. Honestly, I think the burrata makes it in this peach panzanella. Mm. There's nothing like cracking open that fresh burrata. And it's like a showstopper every time on the table. People are always really wowed by it. Yeah, love that. And you've got crunch and texture. Fabulous. So Elizabeth, please pause there. You're making me hungry. When we come back more with the lauded blogger, college housewife, and of course, cookbook author, Elizabeth Van Leard is here. Don't go away.
Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. We're dishing with the author of Everyday Entertaining, the about-to-release-all-a-buzz cookbook from Elizabeth Van Leard. You know her, of course, as the college housewife, six million people strong in followers. Yes, she is the blogger sensation. And we're making fabulous food. Uh, all right, I'm jumping around. I know you're you're much loved for cocktails. Maybe we should have led with that, right? So let's toast and cheers. Is the margarita or a spin on the margarita your go-to? Yes, a margarita has been my go-to, I mean, for years. It's like my sidekick at the bar. It just <laughs> instantly just makes me feel comfortable, and I love it. They're just so delicious, and I love that they're fresh. I'm not big on using bottled mixers or anything. I love easy, fresh ingredients, and it's just always a little bit lighter and doesn't make you feel as weighed down. You're shaking them or blending them? For the margaritas? Yes. Yes, I mean, I love a blended frozen drink, don't get me wrong, but for a margarita, I usually just go with a shaken one. Okay, very good. And what is the the current popular flavor in your household? Like, what is this weekend's margarita? Yes, I think this weekend's margarita is a Paloma, actually. We've been really into grapefruit. Nice. It's basically a margarita, but, you know, just a little bit lighter with grapefruit and club soda. Love it. And a, and a garnish or uh, your best rimmer? My best rimmer, I mean, I love a tahini rim. Ooh. I'm a salt girl, so I'm always going to throw some salt on a margarita. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the chili powder usually goes over well with people, some kind of chili rim. I think that we could pair that with your poke nachos, which, by the way, are all a buzz on the Internet. I mean, I love that people are talking about you, but they're talking about poke nachos. Yes, the poke (laughs) nachos, I love that recipe. It's one of the most colorful ones in the book. Um, I love poke nachos whenever we go out to dinner, so I definitely wanted to throw those in the book as one of my favorite restaurant appetizers. Mm. I think people might feel intimidated by using raw fish, but this is one of the easiest ways that you could bring raw fish into a recipe at home. Yeah, really super simple but fun. I mean, who doesn't love nachos? That's your your cocktail and appetizer uh, moniker, I should call it, because that's what everyone yeah. loves you for, right? Um, I was thinking strawberry peach frosé this weekend, just so you know. Um, and so I've rabbit-eared it. But I have to make the sauce. So uh, tell, the, us, tell us about yeah. the sauce. The sauce. Well, I paired the sauce with shishito peppers or any other kind of grilled vegetable it's delicious with. Um, when we were doing this recipe... We loved the idea of doing a shishito pepper. It's vegan-friendly, vegetable-friendly. It's a lighter appetizer. But I was like, you know what? These need a killer sauce. And when we were testing out different sauces, we probably went through like 10 or 12 different sauce ideas. And then we finally ended up with this one, just really simple, basic pantry ingredients. There's nothing wild in this, the sauce. But as soon as we tasted it, we just knew, wow, that's it. It was so good. It was so simple. It was one of those things where you just wanted to dip and dip and dip. Mm. And I make it all the time. I make it with, like, fried fritters Mm. or uh, grilled vegetables. Literally so good and easy. Okay, so can we talk it? It's mayonnaise, ketchup, Worcestershire. I love Worcestershire sauce, by the way. 
I, I think it's the greatest go-to for salty tang. And with a salt palate, like you mentioned, I can understand why you use Worcestershire. Totally. Yeah. And then you've got freshly ground pepper. So there's a bite in there. Some garlic powder, some Old Bay or Cajun seasoning, and a little bit of cayenne. You know, I love Old Bay, Elizabeth. I, I use it for far more than seafood. Same. Oh, it's got that round, well-rounded, lovely celery salt kind of flavor that you that you crave. Totally, yeah. I grew up with my parents using stuff like Lawry's and Old Bay to season fries and stuff like that. So it's definitely a staple that I use a lot. But I truly think the Old Bay is kind of like the secret ingredient in the sauce. It just gives it mm-hmm. like this flavor where you keep asking yourself like wow what is in this and it just really brings it all together yeah i have to have more sip of margarita more sauce sip of margarita that's a yes, good you're my thing. kind of girl jamie okay. that's all i am too. can't wait to come over really um yeah football <laughs> football season has started so when i found your bacon mozzarella stuffed meatball sandwiches i thought this is perfect yes that is a great football dish for sure i mean we have the whole cozy night in chapter which is pretty much modeled after what I would want on a cozy football day. Mm-hmm. Um, but the meatball sandwiches, you can't beat. I mean, you have a little bit of everything in there. Those are Jared's favorite. I love that you add the bacon. So you're, um, you're combining bacon and ground beef. So you've got the fat of the bacon, right? And then you've got all the goodness yes. of a meatball. And then you stuff mozzarella? I do. So mm. you can thank Jared for the bacon. Because <laughs> thank I you, Jared. first made this... Yes, you can thank Jared for bacon. That was his addition to it. When I, I first made these sort of years ago, and I pretty much asked him, you know, like, what is your favorite sandwich? And he just drooled all over this idea of a bacon stuffed mozzarella meatball sandwich. And I was like, you know what? This sounds like a challenge I can't turn down. Okay. So I just pretty much took all of his favorite flavors and turned it into this little stuffed meatball. And you can use whatever cheese. I just, you could even cut up a cheese stick, honestly, if that's what you had, like a mozzarella cheese stick. And I just wedge a little hunk right into the meatball and make sure it's covered. And as soon as you take a bite of the sandwich, you're like, what is that? It's like the nicest little cheesy surprise. Yeah, it's like a a pizza crust stuffed with cheese. It's just a bonus, right? Yeah. Absolute bonus. Uh, Let's, let's. Swap travel stories, I should say. Um, I too oh, was sure. in Burano. What a beautiful place. Oh, the little island, yeah. yes, uh, in Italy. Um, uh, just a short boat ride from Venice, of course. And I too have memories of restaurant experiences there. You make a cacio e pepe risotto. I can draw you a picture of the big bowl of these little teeny weeny clams. There had to be a thousand of them in the bowl that I remember savoring in Burano. Oh, I love it. Yeah, food there is something else. Mm. I mean, truly that day was so special in its own. And then we ended up escaping from the rain in this little restaurant. Um, I talk all about it in the risotto recipe, but we just dove into this delicious risotto and this recipe is modeled after that Mm. and basically my memory there just because I wanted to translate that as much as I could at home and take that that restaurant memory at home but yeah so delicious and so inspiring the little island of Burano your clams sound delicious so lovely gonna go on my next 
bucket list meal. Oh, if I could recreate them, I, I, you have to be sitting there, right? I mean, just the, the feeling alone. And you talk about it being fu- warm and fuzzy. It, it is. It's, it's warm and fuzzy for sure. And then um, I would be remiss if I let you go. I mean, pe- people would write to me. And I didn't ask you about miso dark chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, I, <laughs> I have to agree with that. I, I jokingly joke around and throw around that that is my top two favorite recipe of the whole book. And I have to watch myself when I say that because it's a bold statement. But they are scrumptious. They're easy to make. And I tell people, if you're going to make one thing tonight from the book, you might want to make the cookies. The book is already a hit. It is entitled Everyday Entertaining. It's written by Elizabeth Van Leerd, L-I-E-R-D-E. Pre-release, it will be released in the coming days, but you will want to order your copy now. Go to Amazon, look up Everyday Entertaining, click the yellow button, trust me, you certainly will never regret it. Uh, This is a cookbook not to miss. It is full of vibrant, playful, delicious dishes. And she's sharing her best recipes. Don't miss it. Everyday Entertaining, written by Elizabeth Van Leerd. You can follow, of course, at The College Housewife. And Elizabeth, no longer in college, um, now you're just, you're every day, right? Now you're the everyday fabulous cook. I am, yeah. No longer in college, but still take uh, what I learned back then with me today. Yes, and, and you show it off beautifully. So thank you for being here once again. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. This was a blast. No, thank you. It was a blast. I agree. I can't wait to cook from Everyday Entertaining. You will too. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We have inspired, thoughtful, delightful artisans that grace this show, that share their best tips and tricks to make every day more delicious. And isn't that what it's all about? Don't touch your dial. Grab a snack. Come on back. More deliciousness right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen. Life, create, and savor yours. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Do you cook in cast iron? Of course you do. Well, how about on the grill? Well, you should be. The glorious heat conduction of cast iron makes for incredible searing and crusts and flavor. And the exceptionally talented food blogger and cook that is David Leet has some delicious inspiration. So pull out that heavy skillet and fire up the barbecue. We are grilling in cast iron today. David Leet, the three-time James Beard award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit, is also the author of The New Portuguese Table and Notes on a Banana. 
David is an expert on many things, his blog, of course, having been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999, and I'm very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He's back, and he's got lots of inspiration. And I love that you've already fired up the grill, David, because summer is already here. It is, even in Connecticut, where it's not nearly as warm as where it is where you are. What is your best recipe, that's like asking your favorite child, in cast iron on the grill because I do agree with you we don't use great cooks alike Mm -hmm. do not use cast iron enough on the barbecue I agree and this is a real point of contention for a lot of cooks and a lot of people who grill they think that if you're not grilling and cooking over an open flame then it's not really grilling and so yeah I understand but I think that there's something to be said for certain things I think are better in a skillet for instance a smash burger. You cannot do a smash burger it's on true. the grill. You smash it right through the grate. It's true. And it's the crust of that smash burger yes. that is yes. uh, unforgettable. I'd like to say. Yes. I want to go uh, back to the beginning. So let, okay. let's start at the beginning. Do you right. heat up your pan before you start to sizzle? Because I give mine ten minutes. On a hot grill or longer if I set the pan and then fire up the grill. How about you? Yes, you want to get it extremely, extremely hot. That's the most important thing because don't forget, smash burgers kind of originated in diners and where they had the the cooktop. Yeah, the flat top, right. Exactly. So you want to mimic that. So you want to get it really, really, really hot. Of course, you've got to be careful and don't absentmindedly pick it up with your hand because you'll be in trouble. So yes, you want to get it very, very hot. That's ingredient number one. Ingredient number two, now here's, here's the conundrum that you have, is that with a smash burger, you can get a great crust, but a lot of times you get a dry patty. Or you can have a really juicy patty, but you don't have that really great crispy crust. So what you want to do is you want to get real high heat, and you want to get a high fat content ground beef. Yes, like please. 60-40, mm, or yes. even a 50-50. Things like 90-10 or 80-20 at the supermarket, those will be better for plain old cooking on the grill. Right. Or, um, or meatballs or meatloaf or a yes. bevy of things. Uh, exactly. Meatloaf. Any of those things, that's fine. But to do a smash burger on the grill, you really want to have that higher fat. So therefore, when you smash it down, you're not losing a lot of that juice because it's so much fat in there that you're able to maintain the, uh, maintain the, the fat content sure. and that, that juiciness. And get that great, great sear. Okay, so on the smash burger topic, do Mm -hmm. you make uh, a big, thick, round patty? Give us the the diameter and the thickness. And do you simply season salt and pepper? Because I am a purist when it comes to uh, add-ins in my burger. As in, I don't add anything in. I agree with you. I start out with like a a round ball. Okay. Maybe about, I'd say, three inches in diameter. Like, it's a nice, it cups in my hand really nicely. And that's what I start at, because that's where you get the smash down. Yes. Because if you start with a flat one, you're only going to make it flatter and flatter. But when you have it as a ball, when you smash it down and it starts to flatten, that's where you're going to get that real surface and that real sear. And all I do, I don't even uh, season inside the meat. A lot of people will. Because sometimes I'll, I'll have the meat hanging out in the refrigerator. And if you salt it, you start to then... Uh, some of the uh, the water inside starts to get extracted, which I don't like. Right. So I will season it right before going on, and I season it really highly with salt and pepper, and then I do the searing, and I just let it go down and really sear. And when it gets that nice crust, I flip it, mm-hmm. and then I throw on some cheese. T- 
tell us what's coming up uh, new and fabulous on Leeds Culinaria. Well, Leeds Culinaria, we've got a bunch of things that are going up. Of course, now we're in the summer, so we have lots of pies coming up. Blueberry, right now on the site, we just put up tahini chocolate chip cookies. I mean, Ooh. doesn't get any better than that. No, nothing tahini better. Tahini chocolate chip cookies. Nice. And then we have grilled pork skewers, talking about the, the grill, which is mm-hmm. absolutely lovely. And I'm just going down looking at And then this is sort of, it's, it's basically on papillote, but it's using foil and mushrooms even though it's a little earlier in the season but mushrooms done that way are just very smart something i think do that in the grill i was gonna say i think you could transport that foil packet to your backyard barbecue and make a mushroom smash burger exactly and then what's wonderful is all the butter and the fat in there and the Mm. flavor and you just put it on top of the burger and yummy you're set dinner tonight i love it and i love talking food with you david as always thank you for coming back to share your passion uh you can find david leet's daily dish of deliciousness at leetsculinaria.com and then there is a shortcut david i never remember it (laughs) it's it's not much of a shortcut then it's lc cooks Com. No, but they that's that's book because book. my computer automatically goes to leetsculinaria.com. Yes, you're bookmarked. Um, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of stimulating, scintillating, scrumptious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope that I satiated your appetite and made you hungry enough to lick your radio. I will leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the hour. And I always post this last bite recipe every week on my social media at Chef Jamie Gwen. This one is a fun and easy recipe for something sweet because I have been craving coconut lately, not sure why. And so... I created a three-ingredient coconut mounds bar. Yes, it's entirely homemade, and it uses just shredded coconut, sweetened condensed milk, and good dark chocolate. And I think you'll love this make-at-home version of a mounds bar if you are a mounds fan. It's a simple stir-together recipe, right? And then all you do is coat those little coconut goodnesses in dark melted chocolate and let them chill. I have been known to eat them all off the sheet tray. I hope you do too. I'll post the recipe once again on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food coming up in your radio. Ideas and inspiration to eat better and live better every week on this show. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com and hoping that you continue to eat well. Mm